So welcome to the first episode of Nate Knows Ball. Um, we got an exciting episode of the first one. My personal favorite sporting event of the year, March Madness. Got a lot of action to talk about from the round of 64 all the way to where we are now, the final four with Florida Atlantic, uh, San Diego State, UConn, and Miami as the last four standing. It was a tournament for the ages. Uh, one of the most upsets we've seen in ever. I think believe it was the second highest total seeds ever. And none of the one seeds even made it to the only date. And one two seed made it, being Texas. So with that being said, I'm going to invite my friend Matthew Newman on to help break down the bracket. Welcome, Mr. Newman. Thank you, Nate. And March Mass is definitely the best sporting event, in my opinion, too. And this year was absolutely wild. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking sporting events, March Madness, it's by just the nature of the single elimination tournament makes it the most exciting. And it's not the best quality, I think. You can make an argument for the NBA playoffs or the NFL playoffs, just with the intensity. But March Madness, I feel like you can just see the chaos, which makes it the most exciting for me. Yeah, that's the best part. And like every other sport, like the NBA, you know the one seed most likely will not lose to the eight in that tournament. Like the Bucks aren't going to lose to the Hawks. But I mean, this year, especially no idea what was going to happen throughout the entire tournament. Yeah, I think it's just the unpredictability of it. And obviously it's fun making your picks and watching all the games and the full. Nothing's better than watching a full day of basketball at the yep. end of the day. But exactly. I guess let's hop right into it. Uh, we're going to start with the South region, the number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Bit of a disappointment in this one. <laughs> um, obviously, they handled business in their first game against the, uh, the Islanders of Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and then beat Maryland pretty easily. Was not mm-hmm. much of a shocker there. And then the Sweet 16, San Diego State, obviously now in the Final Four, but that was not a lot. Not a lot of people saw that coming. I think most people at San Diego State losing either to Charleston or not even making it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, I had Charleston beating San Diego State in the first round. That was my, I mean, a 12-5 always has to be in the bracket, and that was my 12-5. But, I mean, Alabama, I mean, throughout the entire year, they just looked like they couldn't lose. I mean, they beat Vanderbilt what was it by like 54 right before we went on that great run yeah it was and, it was pushing 60 points for sure yeah it Close was, it was it a bad loss and then I mean their star player Brandon Miller he's a stud I don't know how it's going to transfer the NBA and especially with what's going on out off the court um, but I mean yeah that was a very disappointing loss to San Diego State so what do you think's the blame for the loss for LML I mean do you think it's off the court distractions do you think it's coaching players and obviously I think I agree I thought Alabama was the best team going into the tournament I thought Mm -hmm. they were probably the most talented team and one of the deeper teams in the tournament but again though this year I think the theme throughout the season was parity and they were definitely a flawed team that pretty much lived and died by the three ball and dunking on people so when the threes weren't falling it was easy to imagine a scenario where they would lose but I don't think a lot of people saw it coming like this but my question is who, who do you point the finger if you're pointing the finger at someone? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I didn't have Alabama winning at all. I had Texas, but we'll touch on that later. But, I mean, yeah, they lived and died by the three. Like, in this game against San Diego State, 
they shot 11% from three. They only made three threes the whole game, and they took 27 of them. So, I mean, if you live and die by the three, shooting 11% is basically going to ruin it. So if I had to point a finger, it would honestly be on the coaching staff. I mean, the players only do can only do so much, and clearly there was no adjustment made to kind of tell the players we have to get to the basket. The players should be smart enough and understand that shots aren't falling, we have to get to the line, or we have to make some plays happen. But I feel like the coaching staff really probably should have done a better job. Yeah, I mean, I think Nate Oates, he had a rough patch here. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. his handling of the whole uh, gun situation and that sort of thing was clearly not the best in his word choice and press conference and handling of the mm-hmm. players. But then I think you just go to his coaching, the X's and O's in this one. I mean, his choice to foul, I believe they were down two points with a 40-something seconds yep. left, and he fouled them to have San Diego State shoot free throws, which just made no sense to me. I mean, Alabama ranked as a... I believe a top five defense on Ken Palm mm-hmm. and we're considered one of the best defensive teams in the country throughout the whole year. And you're not trusting your defense to get one stop and have in a one possession game. I mean, obviously if San Diego state does get a bucket and you know, there's only 10 seconds left, you're in a hard place, but you're, they're a good free throw shooting team. I mean, you're giving them two points with 40 seconds. I mean, I get you want to extend the game, but it made, you got to trust your defense if you're supposed to be the number one team in the country. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think another thought that Nate Oates might have has that star player, Brandon Miller, he just couldn't do anything offensively. Like, he did not shoot the ball well, and they weren't really getting anywhere offensively. They also couldn't stop San Diego State's point guard. Uh, what was his name? His name was oh, Trammell, who yeah, was probably one of the best point guards. He's the best guard, I think, in the entire tournament so far. I mean, they couldn't stop him, whether it was driving or stepping out for a three, so... I don't hate the call to foul because it extends the game. But if you really think, and they were definitely a top five defensive team, they probably should have tried trusting the defense. And if you lose by four because you couldn't get a stop, that's probably better than losing by six and basically throwing away the game. Yeah, I agree. Just overall, poor effort from the coaching staff. And obviously, Brandon Miller, disappointing. I mean, you can't hate on the kid. I think he's been he's been phenomenal all season. And obviously, mm-hmm. amidst the controversy, put that aside, I think he's going to be a great player in the NBA. I think his game translates very well. And I would, I think he'll be a top three pick in the draft, potentially top two in front of Scoot. And seeing in a couple mm-hmm. knocks, I don't know. I think Scoot's probably a more complete player, but I, I could see a world where one team just wants a bucket getter and wants, takes a shot at Brendan Miller. I mean, I personally think Scoot, I mean, Wemby's a once-in-a-lifetime player. Wemby's going to go one, Scoot, I, no matter what. He's he's going one, but I think Scoot's longevity, like the way he plays and the way he's built, I think that is a – I mean, depends who gets the one, obviously. Like, if OKC gets the one, I think they are either going to trade out of it or maybe draft Scoot just because they don't uh, need three If Wemby is as good as they're saying he is, he's going one, and whoever gets the pick's taking him. They're saying he's the best prospect since LeBron, and I'm not saying I agree with that statement, but I'm just saying that's what the word on the street is about him. And if you're saying he's the best prospect since LeBron, you're taking him. If yeah, you can. take him. Yeah, no, I I understand that. It's just I, I worry for longevity of a player like that. I mean, we saw Chet get hurt immediately. Oh, don't um, bring Chet into this. Chet's looking big. You see, you see him lately? 
Yeah, he's put on a few pounds. That's woken up. Pounds. They're saying he might come back for a little playing run if the OKC sneaks in. Well, that would be exciting. Except I, I, I don't think it's smart, honestly. No, I don't think it is, and I don't think it will happen because no. Oklahoma City, obviously, we know Oklahoma City. They're thinking long term. They're not. They're not trying to win an NBA championship this year, even if they make the playoffs. But exactly. I think Chad. I think Chad will. I think he's going to be good. I don't know. I haven't seen him play an NBA minute yet, but I think he'll be a good player, and I'm optimistic. And I think Webanyama will be good too. And I think he can build the build the frame. Like obviously, he's even bigger. I mean, Chad's seven one, seven two, and this guy's seven four, and even yep. skinnier right now. But the way I think the most impressive thing about him is the way he can handle the ball at his size. And I know we're on quite a tangent here, but it's fine. Yeah, he's kind, he's kind of like Kevin Durant, but, you know, even bigger, which is insane to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's an exciting draft class for sure, which is why I'm mm-hmm. sad the Bulls are making a push because I would like to that, be higher up in the lottery. But That, that we're, that we're going to make the playoffs? Yeah, not great. But it's fine. It's fine. All right. Yes. But, yeah, Alabama, bad. Probably may never get a better chance than this at a Final Four. And at the end of the day, nope. I don't feel bad. They're a football school. They don't they don't need this. They don't deserve mm-hmm. it, frankly. But <laughs> definitely a missed opportunity. And obviously mm-hmm. San Diego State was the beneficiary. Uh they were they've looked they've looked apart. I'm not, I'm not gonna say it doesn't seem like a fluke that they made it through the region. No, not at all. They they definitely look like a well composed and I mean they're coached so well. I mean, they make their free throws and they play stout defense. I mean, they they probably, honestly, depending on how the NCAA does their conferences, they I could see them switching to the Pac-12 and really dominating the Pac-12, which is a really weak conference for basketball. Yeah, the Pac-12's falling apart. But standing, yeah, I mean, and their defense was incredible. And I think it's also gone under the radar. Similar story with Creighton, who was also in their region. Both of them were ranked fairly highly in the preseason. And then Mm -hmm. Creighton was obviously a little more extreme because I think they were top 10 preseason and then dropped six in a row at some point and, like, completely fell out of it. But San Diego State was a team that I think they were ranked, like, in that 15-ish range preseason. And, like, Mm -hmm. they're San Diego State, so they got the West Coast bias against them where no one's really watching them, and they're already in the Mountain West. And they're also yep. just they're San Diego State. I mean, you're not. They really haven't done anything besides the one year Kawhi was there. So like, mm-hmm. constantly counting out. But they look looking legit team. And I think we can talk about the final four later. But I think they have a legit shot at it. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's them or UConn this year. I mean, we'll talk about it. But yeah, they have a legit shot if they keep if the point guard play if Trammell keeps playing like he is. I mean, he's hard to stop. Yeah. I mean, in the, uh, another thing was the bracket did open up for them a bit with Virginia losing in the way they did in the first round. But <laughs> that's just how it goes in March. But Virginia is a whole different – I don't know what they're doing. It's either championship or lose in the first round for Virginia basketball, it seems. Yeah, I, I don't know if Virginia needs to change their entire style, like move away from the de- whole defensive – like defense with championships because – I think the entire NCAA is moving away from that whole strategy. I mean, the t- teams in the Final Four right now, probably three of them aren't the greatest on defense aside from San Diego State. And Virginia just needs to – either they need to recruit better or they need to completely change how they play. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a weird situation because obviously it worked well enough to win a championship mm-hmm. one year, but I think the difference is they had legit NBA talent on that team. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that system is just hard to sustain without having only players. And especially in March when it's a quick scout and the game just mm-hmm. tightens up. Yeah, and I mean, the way that they lost was just horrible. I mean, your fifth-year starting point guard in an ill-advised throw just to set up a game-winning three. That was brutal. You'd never expect that. I felt bad for the kid, too, because everyone was hating on him. And he was the same player that made the pass to Diakite to beat Purdue. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, he's been with the program on the ups, and now, I mean, he's he's ending ending on the horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sad, but I mean, he won a championship. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he had a good college career, and I don't know, he's clearly not an NBA player, but no, he could play overseas. He'll figure, he'll figure out his life. I'm, he'll get over it. Yeah, but shout sure. out to Furman for the upset. I that was yeah, one I of the one upsets like the I got first right. Tournament? Uh, mm-hmm. something like that. I I think so, but the yeah. the, the Paladins, I believe that's their name. Yes, I think you're correct. Yeah, I mean, an impressive performance. And obviously they didn't win another game, but, you know, one game is good enough to make the the story. Yep, yep. I mean, moving moving down the bracket, I mean, obviously the biggest thing for us was probably watching Blake Peters ball out for Princeton. Yes. I mean, we played we played against him when we were in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, well, and now Blake was actually. Him. I was on a team with Blake. Right? Yeah, it was like I third, played. third to fifth grade, JCC Jayhawks. Me and me and Baller yeah. and Blake. Yeah, I was I, the I duo. played against him in all action. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and now he's dropping twenty points. Like it's, it's crazy sick. too, because like I remember like whatever he's obviously he lived in Highland Park, and then I remember hearing whatever he's not going to go to Highland Park High School. It's going to go to Abingdon, and then, like, obviously, I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't really think about it anymore at that point. And I was like, because obviously, I knew he was good, but like, I didn't, I didn't know how good he was going to be. And then you hear about him when he hits the full court shot to win whatever game that yep. was. And then, that was obviously, and then, like, he goes viral, and like, I assume that's going to be the peak of his most his viralness. And then all of a sudden, obviously, he commits nope. to Princeton <laughs> down the line, and that's like cool, but like. You don't think you're gonna hear about it again? Like every once in a while, I'll check his check his stats because I'm like just curious. Yep. And then like he didn't really play much as a freshman, and then this year he really didn't play a ton either. He was coming off the bench like the seventh, eighth, ninth guy in the mm-hmm. rotation. Like just came in and played like 10, 15 minutes a game, and then all of a sudden March Madness, he's like the X factor for them. Yep, he's the three and D guy. I mean, that's that's all you need in March if you got a guy who can shoot the three and get hot. I mean, it's hard to lose games. Yeah, and, and they were winning, too. That's another two, one thing, too, with their, like, upset run was it was very convincing. Like, the way they beat yes. Arizona and then beat Mizzou, I mean, Mizzou especially, <laughs> it was, like, a very convincing wins. Like, it did not feel like, oh, they just got lucky. And, like, I think that's something to be said about a lot of the parity in college basketball recently. It's just, like, these lower teams have a real chance to compete with a lot of the higher-up teams. I think I think it really shows like the bias that committees have against different conferences. Like the SEC was super strong this year, but I mean Missouri 
yeah, they were a lower seed, a seven seed, but like they completely overlooked a lot of teams. And this just shows that like an Ivy League school can go in and just trounce an SEC team. Yeah, I mean, the conference, it's all made up. They just decide yeah. what teams are good before the year. And then because they're good, exactly, their ratings stay high. And then they play other teams that are supposedly good. And then their ratings stay high. Mm-hmm. It's all made up. They know and knows is my theory. And I'm sure there's some truth. Obviously, like, you know how good players are in the past and whatever. Yeah. So there's some validity to it. And I think also that can be seen by some of the results determined with teams that were ranked highly. But mm-hmm. also, like, the rankings are different than the advanced metrics, which I think is also. Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like the committee typically uses the more your uh, net ranking, your uh, mm-hmm. BPI type ranking system versus like the AP poll, which is just based on people's opinions of the teams, not the yep. like advanced stats or whatever. I mean, and that's why a- us Vanderbilt didn't make it because all they really cared about was net and BPI. And, and I don't even lost I don't understand that. Games. The net didn't make any sense. Like no. we won, we won, uh, we, won we won like ten in a row, and we moved up like five spots against like SEC the, teams that are supposedly great, according to them. We had like the most quad one wins in the past in the last two months of the season, and that just didn't matter. Yeah, it, I don't know. Something's got to change. The quad, awful. the quads aren't for me personally. No, I'm, no. I'm not. I'm not into the quads. And I think there's no, a place they, for advanced stats and all that, but mm-hmm. I. I the net formula doesn't even make sense to me. No, not at all. <clears throat> I agree with you on that. But yeah, Brayton, uh, Princeton, their run came to end against Creighton, obviously. Uh, before we talk about Creighton, just to encompass the run by Princeton, how would you rank St. Peter's last year mm. and Oral Roberts the year before? Obviously, St. Peter's won the extra game, so I feel like we yeah. have to put them as number one as they made the Elite Eight. I would say I would say I would do St. Peter's number one because they made the Elite Eight, and then I would put Princeton ahead of Oral Roberts. So I think Princeton's win over Arizona was better than Oral Roberts's win. Um, yeah, Oral Roberts, I mean – no one really knew that that would even happen. Some people thought Princeton had a chance because the Pac-12 just sucked this year. Um, but at the same time, like, I had Arizona going really, really far in my bracket. But, I mean, I think just Princeton was more convincing in their wins than Oral Roberts was. Oral Roberts had to fight some games. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think Princeton looked like the better team. If you're just going which team was better. Mm-hmm. Oral Roberts was a yeah. little more fun, I think. For just sure. because you're like, who is Oral Roberts? Where did these guys come from? Yep. But, yeah, obviously, always exciting when you get the upset team. Arizona, on the other hand, tough, unfortunate. Yeah, I feel like not a lot of people felt bad for them. I mean, they're another one. They seem to be upset quite frequently. It's become a regular yeah. occurrence. And I feel bad, too, for uh, their head coach, Tommy Lloyd, who came from came from my Zags. A long time assistant mm-hmm. under Mark Few, and he's catching a lot of heat for the two uh, pretty early exits. Obviously, they were the one the one seed last year and lost in the mm-hmm. sweet second round sweet or 16. sweet sixteen. I think it was the sweet sixteen. Yeah, and then obviously losing in the first round. Not how you want to start your tenure, but also at the end of the day, he made Arizona basketball way better than it was the last few years yep. before he got there. So I think. Yeah, I agree. 
college basketball is a long road and it winning in March is very difficult to do. And I think obviously the loss sucks, but I think he'll be all right. I'm not too worried about their program in general. I think they're heading in a good direction. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think because they're also staying in the Pac-12, I think they're going to be the team to beat in the Pac-12 for, for the next couple of years. For now. Especially when UCLA, when UCLA moves, at least next year, it's, I mean, it's Arizona's conference. The first year Unless UCLA they moves. leaves, they might go to the big 12 or somewhere. Yeah, I've, or I, I've seen the, that Arizona wants to leave. For all we know, they could go to the ACC. There's no rules anymore, so. That is true. Yeah, that that's the worst. I hate it. But you know what? <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, Creighton beat Princeton. Creighton was honestly, I think a, a lot of people thought they could beat Arizona. So a lot of people had them in the Elite Eight. And a lot yeah. of people had them beating Baylor too. But they were they were good. I mean, uh Ryan Nemhard led the way for them. Got hurt in March Madness last year and Ballon showed up this time, big time. Uh yep. Baylor Shireman. Uh, yeah, he was a beast. They were they were a very good team. And I would to be honest, I thought they were gonna be San Diego State. They seemed like they had it had the path. I mean clear their way and mm-hmm. they looked like seemed like the more talented team on paper but yeah that that last play of the game was I mean even Nemar said he fouled him I still can't see the foul um I thought it was a foul but well my stance it, is it it's, it's just hard thing. to call that yeah I mean I see the arguments you're like oh it's hard you don't want to end the game on that but also if you're not calling it then it's like you're just giving yeah, them an advantage to fuck Pack the pack the guy on offense because you're like, oh, I mean, obviously, if you kill the guy, you're not gonna get the call, but like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you can't give that leeway. Like, if you if it's a legit foul, you got to call it. And I think, although it wasn't mm-hmm. a huge foul, you could see him push him from behind a bit. I don't know, I, I agreed with it, but yeah, yeah, Creighton, Creighton was impressive to me, and they're a team that they're gonna return a lot of guys next year and should have looked out another big year. And yeah, hopefully the, the, the Big East is really good. Yeah, the Big East is getting loaded. Yeah. I think arguably next year could be the best conference in college basketball. I mean, even St. John's now they're getting they just got three transfers all to go to the same school. Yeah, I mean, St. John's. I mean, they're gonna make a run. St. John's. It's, it's gonna be exciting. Cooley yep. to Georgetown. I, I like the new Providence guy. Did yeah, you see? Did cool. you see the video of him on? Instagram yeah, live or whatever. One on, he's playing one, one on one, one to, to keep, keep the player out of the transfer. That's awesome. Like That's I don't great. know if I don't know if it was legit because like I no. don't know. It seems kind I of crazy. Think it was staged, but yeah. But it's still awesome. And I watched a little bit of his press conference. He seems like he's got everyone fired up. And the Big East yeah, is going to be an exciting conference. And yeah. I guess the last team I want to touch on in this region is just Baylor. They kind of bowed <laughs> out pretty unceremoniously. And I feel like. People didn't really think it was their year. But I feel like it's kind of crazy because, like, Scott Drew is one of the best coaches in college basketball. And I, just the way they lost, and it was just, like, so handily. It was it was pretty shocking to see them not even really put up a fight. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, I mean, Crane made their free throws that game. Like, uh, I'm looking now, they were 22 for 22. They didn't miss one free throw. And then Baylor didn't hit threes. and in a game where Creighton hits 11 threes and you hit less than half of that 
it's really tough to come back into a game when the other team's hitting threes and making free throws. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was watching that game. I pretty much watched the whole second half, and every time Baylor cut it to six, seven, eight, Baylor would just come down mm-hmm. and smack a three, and it was like, okay. Yep. Or Creighton would come down and smack a three. And they just, like, never really got a window to close that gap. And yeah, I think it, it was... comes down to Baylor was a talented team. They had good guards, obviously. Keontae George mm-hmm. is probably going to be a top 10 pick. They had Flagler still. They had LJ Cryer. Mm-hmm. But they didn't play on Lake of Defense, which is no kind of was Scott Drew's strength on that championship team. So, yeah, it, Baylor will have an interesting future, especially with like how the Big 12 is now going to be shaping up with Texas leaving, Alabama leaving. And I mean, it's going to be a little harder for Baylor to start recruiting all these guys. Um, and I trust they're going to really have to work. They're going to have to use the transfer portal a lot. Yeah, I mean, I trust Scott Drew. I think he's probably a top five coach in college basketball mm-hmm. right now. And yeah, at the end of the day, in the world of transfer and NIL and everything, having a good coach is really the one thing you can count on for continuity. And I think that'll go a long way yep. for them to continue to be. Because you forget, Baylor was nothing before he got there. Like Baylor was not a basketball program True. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were all football. So I, I think they'll be fine. Like, obviously not their tournament, but it can't be your tournament every year. No, 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 it cannot. So we, we can move on to the East region. Uh, we can start by acknowledging our thoughts and prayers for one of our dear friends, Mr. Julio Petamiki, and his mm-hmm. Purdue Boiler Frauds. Knocked yes. out in the first round by no other than the Fairleigh Dickinson Black Knights. An upset for the ages. Probably the biggest upset in March Madness history. The tallest mm-hmm. team, Goliath, versus literally the shortest ranked team in the country. Yep. The Davids. It was awesome. It literally looked like a bunch of ants swarming Zahidi. <laughs> So mm-hmm. he literally couldn't move. It was phenomenal, and I enjoyed every minute of the game. And it was one of those games, too, where it was like – it wasn't like the Virginia – when Virginia lost, where it was no. like – the Virginia got killed. Like, they got crushed. And it was just like kind of yeah. waiting for Virginia to, like, do something, and nothing ever happened. This thing, it was back and forth the whole game. And every time it was, like, the opposite. You're like, when is Fairleigh Dickinson going to go away? And they just never did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was impressive. I think the biggest thing was the point guard play. I mean, Brandon Newman for Purdue probably had the worst game of his entire collegiate career against Fairleigh Dickinson. The Purdue and guards are an embarrassment. They, I mean, when you have a guy like they Zach can't, Edis, they can't dribble. I mean, the, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean, if you can just get the ball to Edie in the post, like he's going to score 20 a game. Yeah. I mean, and every if you time you hit a few shots around him, you will win. It's just every time you got the ball in the post, they scored, but they yep. just made it difficult to get it into they, the post, which was, and they said, you guys can shoot open threes and we'll mm-hmm. look with that. And they couldn't make any, Yep, it was, it was crazy. They couldn't be depressed. Like besides Zach Edie, they couldn't do basic things on a basketball court. And it really made you wonder yep. how they were a number one team for the majority of this college basketball season. A team that couldn't I mean, break I, a I did, Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that – I was – like, for the last two one seeds, 
I mean, I didn't think it was actually going to be Purdue or Kansas. I thought it was going to be Arizona and Texas, mainly because Arizona beat UCLA by 20 in the conference championship, and Texas beat Kansas by 20 in the conference championship. But obviously, the committee doesn't value that, and Purdue yeah. played in the Big Ten, and the Big I mean, Ten the, sucks. I think the Big the Ten is so overrated. The conference championships, I think, aren't really that – I think we've learned they're not really that valued by the committee. It's kind of just like a tiebreaker no. sort of thing. But, yeah, the Big Ten sucks. Um, Purdue was the best team in it. but And I think the perception was that they're head and shoulders the best team. And I think the reality was but, they really were not. No, because you had Michigan State and Penn State who really looked like the two best teams in the tournament. From I mean, the even Big like Ten. I mean, watching Purdue and Big Ten play. I mean, this is I was preaching this all year. I was like the biggest Purdue hater I know. But yep. obviously they started well in non-conference. They killed my they killed my Zags. They killed Duke. And mm-hmm. I think Matt Painter's a really good coach who had his team prepared yep. very early in the season. And then they went into conference play and they continued their dominance mostly, but their games got a lot closer mm-hmm. against teams that I don't yes. think were very good. And obviously they dropped some of them. I mean, they, they got swept by Indiana. They lost yep. to Northwestern. They lost to Yep, that's the I don't big know. one. Some other teams, probably. Uh, Rutgers, that was the other team. And it's like all of a sudden, yeah. you're, you're seeing the cracks sort of come to fruition. You're realizing these guards, I mean, not to hate on them, they're, I believe their two starting guards were freshmen. So, like, they're obviously inexperienced. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're a five-star recruit freshmen or anything. Either they were just, like, decent recruits, yep, but freshmen. they were freshmen in, like, the moment was just too big for them. They couldn't handle the pressure. And I think the writing was on the wall for a while, but this was not how I thought they were going to get knocked out. I thought they would at least win. Oh, I, 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 at least one. I had them losing to Memphis, but that was more just mm-hmm. me wanting them to lose early, I think, than I thought like they should have at least made the Sweet 16. And obviously, usually one of the one seeds does bow out before the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. but still. It was surprising. Yeah. I I had them making the Sweet 16, but no further than that. I mean, they just – the guard play, I think that's the most important thing in March. If you have a guard or two guards that can handle the ball and make plays for the rest of their team, that's how you win games. And relying on a seven-footer, that's awesome until it's not. So, I mean – Yeah, I mean – I, I didn't have them going super far, but definitely just, two rounds. They just couldn't get in the ball. But, like, for Purdue, obviously mm-hmm. – they lose to Fairleigh Dickinson. They lose to St. Peter's. They lose to North Texas. Yeah. Two. The last, those are their last three tournaments. Three years in a row. How does Purdue recover? Or is this just the reality of the Matt Painter era where they can have some good regular season teams, win some Big Ten titles, but they're not just not made for March at the end of the day? Yeah. I don't know if they ever fully recover as in the point of, like, making a deep run. I think we'll see them in the Sweet 16 next year once these point guards and these guards have a little bit of, like, stability and games under themselves. But, I mean, yeah, Matt Painter, like, I don't want to put the blame on him because I think he's the best coach in the Big Ten. Um, Maybe him and Tom Izzo. Yeah, I mean, mean, Izzo's better. You got to respect Izzo. But I I agree. I think Matt Painter's a phenomenal coach. it's not really on Painter. I think he needs to kind of put the trust in his point guards and his guards and kind of like 
let them make plays like he did with Jaden Ivey. I mean, but even Ivey, I don't know. Though, Obviously, early. these guards are no- yeah. Even the- these guards are nowhere near as good as Ivey either. And I I don't know. I think he just needs to keep players and kind of get some like seniors on the team, some guy who's really just going to hold the entire team together, like a glue guy. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard because I do agree. Matt Painter is a good coach, but it just it doesn't it doesn't look right to see Purdue winning in March. It doesn't sound right. No. And I hope for Petamiki's sake, I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> and they next year they pull the Virginia, bounce back, win it all, at least win a game. Win it all. At least win a game, right? But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time yeah. seeing them. I don't know. At least in this. <laughs> I'm not sure Zach Eady will be the one to take him to the promised land. No, I, I agree. I think that they need to build a builder. They need more around him. They can't just have him. Yeah. And obviously, the other Big Ten team in this region, the only Big Ten team in this tournament to overachieve pretty much. Michigan State mm-hmm. uh, took care of USC round one fairly easily. I mean, it was close, but they got yeah. it done. And then pulled off the upset against Marquette, which I was pretty surprised by because I thought Marquette was pretty legit. I thought Tyler Kolick was the biggest player of the year. I thought they had mm-hmm. good guards. I thought, obviously, Shaka does not have the greatest March track record, but I thought they were a good team basketball. They played great offense, and they they weren't great on defense, but they played hard on defense, and they all seemed to buy in and like each other, and it, they just seemed like a team that would do well in March was kind of my perception of Marquette. I mean, I thought Marquette was good. I didn't watch a lot of them this year, but the one thing I always noticed was they had zero depth. Came from their starting five. Yeah. And when you're playing Tom Izzo in March, that's not going to cut it. You need seven guys who can produce at least against Izzo who can sub guys in and out and make everyone work. And I mean, just Izzo in March is, it's so hard. He's just the best coach that we have in March. Yeah. I mean, I think Izzo obviously knows how to win. And mm-hmm. Shaka does not have the best track record. But like, this Michigan State team no. was also pretty good. I think it just didn't, they just didn't, I don't really know. They just didn't seem like they cared about the regular season that much. They kind of just mm-hmm. coasted and, and they had some big wins, they had some bad losses. But like, they were competitive throughout the whole season, and then they just kind of turned it on. But yeah, at the end of the day, they did run into a buzzsaw that was Kansas State in the next round, who was probably the yeah. most fun team of the tournament, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. From the, yeah, I mean that game. Go for it. No, I was just gonna say from Marquise Noel to Keontae oh, Johnson, yeah. who's one of the best stories in college basketball, just to begin with. And then you get the, the little baby clap before the game. Everyone's fired up. Like, although mm-hmm. they're in a major conference, I think they kind of felt like the underdog team everyone was rooting for because no one thought they were going to do well either. I mean, I think more I think more people picked Kentucky to beat them in the second round. But Kentucky mm-hmm. kind of, to just get a quick note on Kentucky, they kind of they beat Providence, close game, but they took care of them. And then neck and neck against Kansas State, but it wasn't enough. And I think Kentucky, I don't know. 
that was Cal's first win in what four-ish years in March, which is crazy. But yeah, is Cal still in the hot seat? Yeah, after winning the game is all the question. <laughs> you could put Calipari on the hot seat. I really like. I don't think his job is a hundred percent secure. But I don't think after this year you can. I think give him at least one year without Shibwe and see what he can actually do yeah, um, I mean, without just a like dominant center. Well, I think they also realize Shibwe is not as – like obviously he was player of the year Good. last year. But I think they sort mm-hmm. of realize he's not like a dominant – like he's dominant, but he's no. not like take over a game dominant, you know. And like mm-hmm. they realized I think part of it – I think part of the reason they were struggling at the beginning of the year is because that's what they thought he was after his player of the year. And then when they started winning yep. more games, it was because they stopped forcing on the ball and just let him still be a beast. Obviously, he's grabbing double-digit rebounds and double, pretty much still a double-double machine. But they looked a lot better when they weren't playing the offense through him. Yeah, and, I mean, they're going to have some guys coming back this year or for next year. I mean, it's I think the era of the Kentucky one-and-done is kind of over. Um, until at least they get that well, they got like, all five stars again. They got like all five exactly. stars coming in next year. So yeah. So so we'll we'll see, but I think they're trying to change the culture of the one and done. I mean, I saw a commercial <laughs> that it was Shay and it was about the one and done commercial. And it was like I, I don't know. I, I think Kyle's gonna try to keep people to stay. It's just hard. That culture is it's a tough culture to be in. I think he had like five players at the McDonald's All American game this weekend. Yeah, oh, it was. <laughs> I mean, it, it's still it's still Kentucky basketball. Like, you want to go play somewhere, you go to Kentucky, or you go to another team in this region, you go to Duke. Yeah, like, I mean, I think with I think with that, Kentucky, that's where you go. I think he's clearly produced pros, and maybe mm-hmm. he hasn't had the most March success in the last. I don't know since the Anthony Davis team. Really, I mean, they made the one Final Four um as the eight seed or yeah that was after that was a couple of years after yeah, that they, that's when they lost to UConn but they really haven't had that much success I guess and then I guess the other final four team the one that lost to Wisconsin yeah, uh, but that was like mm-hmm. I think anyone could have coached that team and they would have done probably maybe we're not undefeated but really well pretty, pretty good when you had Devin Booker yeah. and Carl Anthony Towns and like seven other players that played in the NBA at some point yeah that yeah i mean just the recruiting classes that calipari gets it's really hard to be a bad coach i mean but, you kind of just have to put in the system that lets your players play but he does certainly develop these players into good nba players regardless of march success or not yeah so i i'll give yeah, you got to sure. give him the credit there but yeah kansas state was just mm-hmm. the it was a close back and forth game but kansas state was the better team and then Took care of Michigan State in another thriller in overtime, and they just kept surviving mm-hmm. until they eventually went up against the Owls of Florida Atlantic, who also had their own survival yeah. <laughs> story, where controversial call to survive against Memphis. Personally, mm-hmm. was was not pleased by it because this was after <laughs> Purdue already lost, and I was like, "Well, they already got the upset out of the way. You were hyped. Now we just got to beat the 16th mm-hmm. seed." But whatever, I was over it. Fairly, Florida Atlantic won. <laughs> uh, they play fairly Dickinson. Kind of tight game. I mean, they were had like a decent lead for most yeah. of the game, but pulled away at the end. And 
mm-hmm. it sort of became the villains when they tried to dunk on them with whatever three seconds left on the clock and the guy throws tries to throw it on a tomahawk and misses it and now all of a sudden i feel like although they're a nine seed everyone kind of hates them because they didn't really make an upset run to the sweet 16 because they beat the 16 seed and not the one seed mm-hmm. yeah but, i think that narrative may have gone away when they kind of handily beaten tennessee i mean tennessee that game was it the score was only an eight point game at the end but tennessee was so out of that game i mean it it really wasn't a close game yeah i mean they dominated them in tennessee uh obviously they played their super physical style which helped them beat duke mm-hmm. and who did they play in the second round oh duke yeah duke was the second duke, round duke was but, the second round yeah but yeah they just literally just like try to destroy dude like physically and it was yeah it was i don't know i was i wasn't sure how to feel this was like one of the harder regions for me to pick because i don't like duke at all i don't like tennessee at all and Mm -hmm. like i said i don't care for purdue at all so uh, my pick out of the that little quadrant was oral roberts didn't work out i think that was more Mm -hmm. just me wanting oral roberts to win that was just you hating duke but yep i have to say duke's not as hateable with Shire as Coach K. No. You gotta love they, you gotta love Shire. But are they still villains? And I think they still are. I think you still don't like Duke. Because they're still Duke. Like unless they start sucking, then they're still I mean they weren't Duke. the same they weren't the same team this year. They weren't like that dominant team. And now I think Shire is changing things. I mean he inherited Coach K's first recruiting class. Well, it was but, actually I his. Mean, he's convincing people to because he started recruiting. It, it was Coach his, you're K right? Was on yeah, the way out. that's right. And I mean, I think he did a good job. He's not necessarily going for all these like super flashy guys, and he's getting people to stay. Um, one of their yeah, Tyrese Proctor just from Australia yeah, he just committed to come back. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I I, I don't know. I like Duke. Um, I've never that's, hated Duke. That's disgusting. Um. I've never hated Duke. I've I've liked Duke. Um, and it was kind of I mean, I had them making it out of this entire region because I thought at the end you of the and, season, Shire and the, rest, and the team really the figured it America out. Fell for the trap. No. Yeah. It wasn't a trap. I mean, they trounced Oral Roberts and I thought if they got by Tennessee. I think Oral it was Roberts done for the region. Good, is my No, assessment. they were really bad. I think they were just I think people just wanted them to be good because they had the upset run, and obviously they still had A. Smith, but they probably just weren't that He good. wasn't that good. No, they, they weren't. And, I mean, Tennessee, they only won by three in the first round. So once I saw that, I was thinking, okay, my region's going to be set. Purdue already lost, and I think Duke will be able to beat Kansas State in the Elite Eight, but that didn't happen because of Tennessee. But it doesn't matter because FAU, I mean, they're, they're fun to watch. They're a yeah. really fun team to watch. And then against, obviously, moving forward a little bit, and against Kansas State in the Elite Eight, like, they like they handled them pretty easily. And they were another game where they were just mm-hmm. – they weren't phased at all. Like, Kansas State was up nope. for a decent amount in the second half. Well, Fort Atlantic was up early. And then yep. Kansas State got up early in the second half, and you're kind of like, all right, this is probably it for Fort Atlantic. That's going to be a put away. All of a sudden, they're right back in it. Yep. And their veteran team and their coach, it seems awesome. Dust Dusty May, former mm-hmm. Indiana student manager. And, like, yep. they've got a veteran team. And they actually, like, 
my thing with them is like they have the most wins in college basketball. Like, although they're a nine seed and they're from Conference USA, like, are they really a Cinderella? They were good. Yeah, they were like 31 and three after the regular season. I mean, no team yeah. even touched 30 wins outside of them. And like, I mean, they would score. Like, their average games, they just score the ball. And, and they are consistently like, it's not just one player scoring. Like, they had four starters over 15 points in this game. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, they're just like, they play good team basketball at the end of the day. They don't really, uh, what's their best player's name? Joan, Joan Jamon Davis. Davis. Joan L. Davis, yeah. Or Jono. And he's yeah, their yeah. best player, but like the, it's not like he's like a dominant player. Like they just play good team basketball and it, it, it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I've really enjoyed watching them. Yeah, no, they're fun. Um, I don't know if they're going to win, but we'll talk about the Final Four a little later. But, but they no, have a this was a fun region to watch. I don't think you can even oh, yes. call them a Cinderella because they had the most wins. No. Yeah, it's it's hard to say they're Cinderella. The only reason you would say they were Cinderella is if they beat Purdue, but that and was already I, taken care of. Like, like you said. I think, I think they're only people that think they're a Cinderella is because they're a nine seed, and I just think at the end of the day they were unseeded. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because yeah. you yeah, don't I know mean, how good a team I, is, but – Conference USA is the best conference in basketball. Is the, the new rumor they're going for the elusive triple crown? <laughs> Did you hear about this? What's it? Explain. <laughs> so, Charlotte won the CBI. The NIT championship okay, is between it. North Texas and UAB. North Texas and UAB. Yeah. And then FAU is it still in the Final Four? So they've clinched the other two legs of the. NCAA postseason tournaments in FAU can lead the way to a Conference USA Triple Crown. Unheard of. I have a feeling that will be pretty irrelevant um, for next year. However, that's a very, very cool stat. The fun and fact is they're all actually it's probably, probably they're, all joining, they're all joining the American that's next right. year, yeah. too. That's right. All yeah, of the yeah, teams yeah. that won, but too. Cool way to go out. Yeah, yes. I mean they're sending the conference USA off in style. One, one last run for conference USA history books. Uh huh. But all right, we can flip to the right side of the bracket here, the Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. Miami advancing to the Final Four. Uh, not yes. one a lot of people saw coming, including myself, who had Miami losing to Drake in the nope. first round. Mm-hmm. This yeah, was I, another... I didn't have that. I had them I had them losing the third round, sweet sixteen, but it was tough. Yeah. I, I was I don't know. I mean Miami was a team I just didn't watch a lot of this year. And I kinda mm-hmm. I just discredit discounted them just because the ACC sucked. Like Duke wasn't good, Carolina yep. wasn't good, Virginia was okay. Pitt was supposed to win the conference at one point. Like it was just an ugly year for the ACC, so and Drake, although they weren't like flashy, they were the oldest team in college basketball. And I, I thought the veteran, the veterans would come through, but I was wrong. Jim Laranega with another masterclass March performance. Uh, obviously yep. went to the Elite Eight last year, Final Four this year, first one since taking George Mason to the Final Four. And yep, they're another team seen. that's just been like 
it's not the <clears> names <throat> in the final four, but these teams have been fun to watch. I mean, Miami, they just haven't missed. They don't miss shots. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. It it was absurd. I mean, I I I this was the only bracket region that I actually did really well on because I mean I had Texas going all the way, but I mean Miami just like they have just probably six or seven guys that can score, and you're right, they just don't miss shots. Like they have such an ability to come back in games. So fun, and they they all can just step out and shoot threes, and like it, it's insane to watch. Like Larinaga's done an unreal job these yeah. past two years. I mean, they just looked unconscious, like they're just drilling yeah. shots left and right. And obviously, the Drake game, they were looked like they were going to lose it for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Miraculous comeback, but then they handled Indiana fairly easily. Who Indiana was a bit of a disappointment which we can talk about after yep. Miami for a second, but, and then they handled Houston. I know like fairly easily as well. <laughs> and then obviously the only yeah. day game against Texas was an incredible comeback, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Indiana, I don't know what happened with them. I was optimistic about Indiana and usually I'm anti big 10 anti Indiana, yep. but I thought Jalen Huchipino is a legit NBA talent. Although Trace Jackson Davis mm-hmm. is pretty limited in his ability, he's a great college basketball player still. And I thought they were yep. I, I thought they were at least in for a sweet sixteen run. And I know they were also one yeah. of the flashy upsets against Kent State too, and they survived that, but mm-hmm. has to be disappointing. Yeah. They, they they just had no production from their bench again, like, like against Miami and that's tough. I mean, you have to have some production production outside your top five. And their guards, I mean, I mean aside Hood from... Hood played terrible was, against Miami, too. He scored, but he did it very inefficiently. Yeah, and, I mean, it wasn't I a mean, pretty Trace performance. Was, Tra- Trace, was a, Trace was a beast. I mean, Miami couldn't stop him, but same issue as Purdue. Like, you have a big that can't be stopped. It doesn't really matter nowadays. Yeah, you need the you need your guards to do something. No, I agree. I mean, it was just you could see the lack of depth for sure, but also they just yep. didn't look ready. And I it makes me question Mike Woodson as a March Madness coach a little bit, just because mm-hmm. I don't. I think he's a good coach. I think he knows basketball quite well, but I don't think he was ready for the one and done format. It seemed like he was gearing up for a seven game series. He didn't look that concerned <laughs> about losing. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's a, that's, that was an interesting one. I wonder if it's, I, I don't know, because it's Trace is gone. So like, it's, I, I don't know what they're doing they're, in the future. They're probably like, going to be I think bad Wooden's next a good year. coach. I saw they got some, yeah, I, they got I think some Wooden's transfer, a good coach, but it's tough. I forget from where they got some big guy, but Trace is gone. Mm-hmm. Miller cop's gone. Put Shafino's gone. Like they're going to look very different next year. And it'll be interesting how Woodson can hand, yep. handle the, the, I guess just kind of the lack of continuity that is college basketball. Because I think like, yeah, at like least I'm he's saying, in a weak like, conference, so he has a chance. Yeah, I mean they'll be okay. But then, whatever, go down the line. Miami's path. Houston, the number one seed in the region, looked shaky from the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, slow game in the game against the 16 seed, but ended up pulling away, surviving pretty easily. Then Auburn, they're down. 10 at halftime, something like that. Yeah, they're down big the, at half. 
Mm-hmm. They're down big, but then all of a sudden, they probably play the best half of basketball any team played in the first weekend of the tournament in that second half against Auburn. And you're yeah, kind of back incredible. on you're kind of back on the Houston train. And I, I picked Houston to win the whole tournament. I thought this was me just like kind of projecting storylines. I was like, Final Fours in Houston. Calvin Sampson seems due. <laughs> and Jim Nance is calling the Final Four. Houston alum seemed perfect. Seemed like a great story. Mm-hmm. And also, they kind of reminded me of some of the Gonzaga teams in the past where everyone kind of is like, oh, they don't play in a good conference. But, like, specifically that, like, 2017 Gonzaga team that did end up playing in the championship and losing because they were a very yeah. good, best defensive team in the country, still an incredible offense, and had great guard play. Obviously, Gonzaga had Nigel Williams, Goss, and then they had Sasser, uh, Shed. And then they also had, on top of that, they had an NBA talent and Jairus Walker that came in, too. And they seemed like a super complete mm-hmm. team. And obviously, Sasser had the injuries, but eventually he did, like, healthy. And they just came out flat against Miami and never really came back, which is always the concern when you yeah. have your defensive-style teams that play slower. But disappointing is, is the one way I would say sum it up for Houston. Because yeah. I really feel like they have they were the team with the most to prove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in all three games in their tournament, they were horrible at the beginning. They started down, they started slow, and eventually that's going to catch up to you when you play a team like Miami who doesn't miss. Like, yeah, you'll I mean, try I, to get back into it and then come down and hit a three. It's, you can't win like that. Yeah, I mean, I think Miami probably played their best game against Houston, too, so that didn't help. Sure. But yeah, they just yeah. Didn't, didn't work out. I don't know how else to explain no. it. And I, really, I was really high on them, but they got beat mm-hmm. and deservedly so. They didn't. Yes. wasn't one I could feel too bad about. It felt like the better team won at the end of the day. And then, obviously, uh, yep. you go, go to the bottom of that bracket. Um, pretty chalky for the most part. As this bracket in particular held the most chalk. Um. Pitt beat Iowa State and Penn State beat AM, and small upsets, but ones that were yep. pretty predictable. Expected. And then Xavier almost loses to Kennesaw State, but then comes out and kills Pitt. Texas mm-hmm. then goes on and beats Penn State after they have their big win. And then Texas handles Xavier pretty well. And it's all kind of just going the way you thought it would, like nothing too crazy. Yep. And I think Texas, they they really impressed me. Obviously, they ended up falling short in the end of the Final Four, but I think their guards were super impressive. Serge Jabari Rice, best name in the tournament. He's so Mar- good. Marcus Carr, yep. uh, a whole crew down there. And I think Just Rodney Terry. Uh, what, what's the big guy's name? Disu? Uh, uh, well, Dylan Disu, yeah, yeah, he got hurt in the Xavier game. Yeah, but he was phenomenal that, until he got that, hurt. He was, he was their best player all year long. He was averaging over 20 points a game, and here it's his foot. And, I mean, the other guys stepped up in the Xavier game, but, I mean, they you could see they needed him to close out that Miami game. They didn't have anyone that could just take the ball and go win the game. Yeah, I mean, it's just disappointing. And that's – the reality is that just how it goes sometimes. I mean mm-hmm. – you can't control everything. I mean, injuries happen, and I think it just 
also goes to the degree of luck that goes into winning March Madness. Obviously, like yep. you can't win a single single elimination tournament without a little luck. You're going to have to get lucky at some point. And maybe that was the mm-hmm. break Miami needed to end up coming back and getting that win against Texas. But Miami looked like a team that deserved to be in the Final Four. And Texas, despite falling short, I think it was quite the impressive route run and season for Rodney Terry to step in after that situation and lead that team to still be one of the best teams in the country. And obviously deservingly yeah, so, and, and he finally got the back. job. I was worried yep. they were going to mess it up and not offer him the job. Because it just feels like a Texas thing to although he was yeah, great, feel like let's, hire, <laughs> let's bring in the big name. and Because obviously Chris Beard was like the dream hire for Texas. Yep, they got him and he was the dream I mean, hire. They posted him from within conference from one of the rivals. And which I think obviously I guess it wasn't as crazy because at that point they knew they were going to the SEC, but still in conference at yep. the time. And he was one of the best coaches in college basketball. And obviously then later the Chargers get dismissed and now he's back on the market at Ole Miss now. He's at but Ole overall, Miss. yep. He's gonna overall, play Texas. Kind of just a disaster situation for Texas. And then this guy steps in and the team doesn't skip a beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he, he did a great job. He inherited a really good and pretty deep team. I mean, Marcus Carr, fifth year senior. I mean, after he transferred from Minnesota, like that was super helpful to have that veteran point guard on the team. But yeah, I, I mean, think he did a great job and it was a well lot of deserving characters. to get that contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna really. I was gonna be really upset if he didn't get it. So I'm glad it worked out. But also I'm glad my, yeah. I wasn't too upset. I know it was they were your winners, so you want to see them win, but yep. I'm happy to see Miami yeah. still dancing. I think they're gonna be a fun team to watch in the final four. Yeah, that, that final four game is gonna be much I think more exciting than the other one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think so. CBS is it, it sucks, CBS definitely it, it, has that one in prime yeah. time. Not not the FAU SDSU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's unfortunate for them. Yeah, we can move on to the wild wild west, the last region. Turns out, yep. actually, not that wild. First round held up complete no, chalk. Same, but uh, first round was completely chalk. Second round is where you get a little noise. Mm-hmm. Arkansas took advantage of no bill sell for Kansas and mm-hmm. beat them. And simple as that, I think this was also another one where I felt like Kansas was a bit overrated. Obviously, the defending champs. I agree. Uh, but and still a good team. They had Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick. Like they had a good team. And I'm not saying they were bad. And I'm not saying they weren't at a disadvantage by not having their head coach, but Arkansas was also a super talented team with legit NBA talent, Nick Smith, Anthony Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they were a team I saw preseason being really good and obviously didn't live up mm-hmm. to those expectations. But the talent was always there. And Musk, back-to-back elite eights going into this tournament, took advantage of the Chris mm-hmm. for Kansas and beat them. Ripped off the shirt after the game, was celebrating in the stands. And it was awesome to watch. I will say though, once he ripped off his shirt, it seemed it like over. they were it seemed like they were due to lose. You can't celebrate that much and then expect to win more games. It it was like the Pat Bev um playing game 
last year where he like jumped on the table, ripped off his jersey, and started celebrating after a playing game or something. Yeah, and they're playing champs. I mean, it was special. It was probably the greatest moment in <laughs> Timberwolves sports history. Yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, yeah, nah. <laughs> it was similar. You weren't going to win another game. It was, yeah, it just seemed like trouble for them. Then, obviously, the bottom half of the region got the matchup we wanted. The UCLA-Gonzaga rematch. I was, this was, in my opinion, I, I could, you could call me biased because I'm a Gonzaga fan, but this was the most entertaining game in the whole tournament, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, well, I mean, it was, it was fun to see Timmy dominate. UCLA, up big, not crazy big, but up double digits for a lot of the first half. Mm-hmm. And Gonzaga, like, can't hit a shot to save their life. It's just Timmy working these guys in the post. And every time they go to anyone but Tinny, none of them can do anything. Then the second half, all yeah. of a sudden, Gonzaga starts getting stops, and they start running on, running on UCLA, and the lack of depth. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, no Adam Bona, no Jalen Clark for UCLA, and the lack of depth starts showing because they just can't run with Gonzaga. Yep. And Malachi Smith starts playing well. Julian Strother starts playing well, and eventually mm-hmm. Gonzaga's all, all of a sudden is up big going into the last four-minute timeout. And then UCLA starts their comeback effort. I don't know. It might have been even later mm-hmm. than that. But all of a sudden, time goes on and UCLA's up. Or Gonzaga's up too. And then mm-hmm. what's his face? UCLA ties it. Yeah. Bailey hits a three. Yeah, um, Yeah. Amari Bailey hits a three to take the lead. And it seems like Gonzaga's kind of in trouble. But then you get flashbacks to Jalen Suggs hitting that buzzer beater against them. And Julian Strother runs the old Villanova Chris Jenkins tray ball. I think actually even deeper mm-hmm. than where Jenkins took it. And just drills, it a, cold, deeper, yeah. drills a cold-blooded three to win the game in his hometown against their... Mm-hmm. Kind of the modern day rival for Gonzaga. Yeah. And it, it was awesome. Sure. I was going crazy. I was watching it in my hostel in New I Zealand. Bet. A bunch of random people <laughs> were watching me watch it with my AirPods in. All of a sudden, like, I've been like trying to be tame throughout the game. Like, every once in a while, I'll give like a fist bump or like a clap or something. But then he hits a shot and I'm like screaming. I'm like, let's go. Julian <laughs> Straw there. Like, I was so, I was so pumped. But then, yeah, whatever. Dust settles. It's UCLA or not UCLA. UConn versus Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, and I forgot. I was still telling someone about this, and it was just the game really just gave me flashbacks to the last time we beat UCLA, where we were coming mm-hmm. off the highest of highs. Crazy shot to beat them, and the other team, Baylor in that case, and UConn in this case, has just been dominating teams. And yeah, it's a similar case in this one where Gonzaga comes up flat for the fourth game in a row. I mean, they were down yep. in every other game in the tournament. They come out flat in this one, and UConn was just too good of a team to mount any sort of comeback. Timmy gets in foul trouble, questionable call, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, did not really affect the outcome of the game. But no, UConn. Uh, has dominated their way to this final four. I, I mean, 
their closest game was 15 points against St. Mary's in the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, like, Gonzaga, they couldn't make a shot. Like, they didn't make free throws. They didn't make three-pointers. Yeah, it was Timmy atrocious. Timmy, once Timmy got in foul trouble, I mean, the game was over because Sonogo, no one could stop him otherwise. Like, he didn't even score that much, but he was just such a presence that got everyone else open and yeah i mean, I mean they also that just, gonzaga just it was over yeah. they smothered timmy they it was sad but put three guys on him in the paint because no one could hit a jumper to save their life and yeah it sucks it's a sad way to end the season but at the end of the day i think as a gonzaga fan my perspective of this is going into the tournament i was like i'm not gonna be upset about this tournament we've struggled a ton this year like whatever happens happens like i hope we make a run we'll see and then the tournament started. All the top teams sort of start keep losing, and mm-hmm. the bracket really opens up. And I'm like, this might be our chance. I mean, the Elite Eight, really the only higher seeded team than us is Texas. And UConn's, I'm like, if we can beat UConn, I think we have a legit shot at a national championship. And then mm-hmm. obviously, just about five, 10 minutes into that game, <laughs> yeah, the dream was, dream was crushed and I went immediately yep. back to the first perspective of we weren't supposed to be here I'll be happy we overperformed mm-hmm. and Drew Timmy got one final good run and in my opinion he's yep. the greatest player in Gonzaga's history love him or hate him he says he's done he's got one more year of eligibility so we'll see until it's official uh, but I, th- I think he's done I, th- I think he's yeah. done he says he's done and he said it multiple times, but mm-hmm. I think he's no national championship or not. I think he's his four years at Gonzaga are the best of anyone who has ever played there. I mean, you just think about yeah. obviously they made one national championship and a sweet 16 in an elite eight. And then the one other year they were going to be a one seed and then COVID happened. So they didn't play his freshman year, mm-hmm. but just from his instant impact and then kind of being the face of the program the last two years and even on that championship the national championship team where it was Suggs was the face but he was the second best player on that team still oh for sure yeah I mean uh, like I'm not I'm not a Gonzaga fan like you are I don't hate the program I just it's tough to see it every year year in and year out I mean like, I'm a Michigan football fan, so it's the same shit. Year in, year out, you expect greatness. They do well, and then they can't close. Um, for that, I it's like, what 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 more can Mark Few do? I like, is it a Mark Few problem that they can't seal the deal, or is it just lack of high competition, lack of depth? I, it's, it's hard to tell with Gonzaga because they do so well. They make it far in the bracket, and then it just collapses. I don't think that's a fair assessment. I think this whole thing where really? obviously they they haven't won a championship, sure. But it's so hard to win a college basketball national championship and there's so yeah. many great coaches that don't win it. And they've been the most... I, I agree. When it comes to a wins, just like they've made eight straight Sweet 16s and they have the most mm-hmm. wins over that span by at least a handful of games for in total March Madness yeah. wins. And although they haven't won a championship, it's I don't think you can say it's been a failure. And I think 
it's been a shorter window where they've actually been a perennial title contender than the national perception is. Because obviously they have their streak of they've made every tournament since 90, 1999. They've made the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. eight years in a row. But I really don't think it, it was until, I guess, mm, even like, I guess you could say the start of the Sweet 16 streak was really when they started competing for national mm-hmm. titles. And I mean, that's only eight years, which is obviously still a lot of seasons. But just with all the variables that are in college basketball, I think it's unfair to say that they they can't win or won't win. It just is going to take the one run to get it done. And it'll be interesting to see what how that looks in the post-Timmy era, I guess, because obviously the first, the first uh, team that made the national title was a very defensive team, mostly composed of transfers. Um, yep. Obviously, Nigel Williams-Goss was a star, and then Shemek. And Shemek was the vet. He was there for forever. If you want a Gonzaga mm-hmm. player that was actually there forever, I think Shemek Karnowski was there at yeah. least six six years. But, six years, I think. But, yeah, they had Perkins on that team, Silas Melson, a couple other guards. Uh, I can't remember if Tilly was there yet, but they had Zach Collins, who was, mm-hmm. well, was at, really the, at the time, I believe the highest rated player, highest rated recruit that Gonzaga had. And then after that, you sort yep. of saw the shift, I think, with Collins kind of having that run, um, proving that they could develop NBA talent as well, or at least high mm-hmm. NBA draft picks. Obviously, Collins hasn't had the greatest NBA career, but he was a lottery pick. No. <laughs> but then, Obviously, they, they get Suggs, who was five-star recruit, top 10 in the country. And, like, you sort of see a shift in the following year. Obviously, they benefited from the number one recruit going to the same high school as Jalen Suggs. But they yeah. get Chet. And then that team, obviously, is incredible, but falls short. And I couldn't tell you why that team fell short. Obviously, they played a good Arkansas team, but it wasn't good enough at the end of the day. And then mm-hmm. you get this team, which is led by Timmy, and then lose Nemhard as well in the NBA. And I think the problem with this yep. team was obviously this team wasn't going to win a championship. They just didn't no, have they, enough they experience. And it was a lot of – they brought in Malachi Smith, who was SoCon Player of the Year from Chattanooga the year before. He came in, filled in, came off the bench. and But the problem was, besides Timmy, none of these guys really played. Oh, Anton Watson, who I think was arguably, I mean, Timmy was obviously the best player, but Anton Watson was a super underrated player, Uh, was probably the best defensive, definitely the best defensive player on the team. But then outside of Watson, Timmy, and Strother, none of these guys had played meaningful minutes before. I mean, Salas and Hickman. They were supposed to. They played a little bit last year, but really ended up not being a huge part of the rotation so this was i think it's hard i mean it goes to the similar thing as purdue is it's hard when you have guards that don't have the experience and obviously they they can't do anything they had more experience than the purdue guys and i Mm -hmm. think are probably much more talented than purdue guys so you give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt but it is hard to win with inexperienced guard play in march and i think that's the downfall of this team and it'll be interesting to see what they do next year obviously should probably gonna lose Timmy, but they should bring back Hickman mm-hmm. and Salas again. 
Strother, I think, will go to the NBA. I think he's going to end up being a first-round pick. He kind of reminds me of a wow. Jordan Poole-type bucket getter. Doesn't really play a lot of defense, okay. but he can no. find his he can yeah. find his spots and hit hit his shots when he needs to. And he's a good athlete, yep. good size. But I think he'll go to the NBA. Watson may come back and he's got another year. Malachi Smith may come back. He's got another year. But besides that, you're kind mm-hmm. of filling out the rotation with a bunch of unknowns. They got a guy from South Korea who actually I think is going to be a good player for them. His name's Yeo. I'm excited about him. He was with the yeah. team for the second half of this year. Ben, ben Gregg is another oh. interesting player who, who actually wasn't really supposed to be in the rotation and then earned his minutes over the five-star they brought in from LSU. Who He may transfer again because he didn't play. So we'll see what he does. But I think they're going to be very active in the, the transfer portal. I would expect him to bring in multiple players. And I think if they bring in the right guys – this could be a situation similar to the 2017 team where they just fill in the right pieces and all of a sudden are back as a national title contender. But it will definitely be interesting to see if they can maintain the success post-Timmy and whether they choose to mm-hmm. join a different conference or whatever. But obviously they've been one of the most successful teams, but if Pew really wants to cement his legacy, I think he'll be he'll retire as one of the best coaches for turning a mid-major program into perennial powerhouse but to really cement is like an all-time great he does have to win a championship yeah 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 that, that that's all i was kind of getting is that like they're really good they've been good he's done a great job it's just like i don't know if you put him up there with coach k self calipari roy williams yet no and i but i think he if hasn't he, wins, he hasn't done it, it he hasn't i done think it. all he does is obviously and he won't pass coach k or like those guys but like to be in like that tier below there, all he needs is one because it's different doing yeah. it at Gonzaga. And most people, most of the coaches yeah. only get one. Yeah. One or two. He'll, he'll really. be there with like he'll, he'll be there with like Izzo and all those. Like, yeah, like guys Izzo, who... Jim Calhoun, that like sort of tier, yeah. I think you can make an argument for. But yeah. 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 So that's the tournament. We got Miami, Yukon, uh, San Diego State, and Florida Atlantic. So I got some overall tournament questions for you. What was your Yo, favorite? What was your favorite upset of the tournament? I know we touched about some of these before, my, but I mean, my favorite upset because uh, I I tried to pick a lot of upsets, um, but yeah, like I the always, ones that I didn't pick were probably that's yeah, always my the downfall. ones I didn't pick were probably my favorite. Yeah, my, my favorite upset was definitely Princeton over Arizona. Um, although my bracket was ruined right after that game, like literally day one, my bracket was over, or day two, whenever that game was. Um, mm. I really was day one. I really love – yeah, I, I like – and it turns out in our pool, I only lost my bracket after Texas lost. But, um, yeah, no, I that was my favorite game to watch. I mean – I have a ton of Arizona friends, family friends who live in Arizona, just watching Princeton, a team of all small shooters, just go in and really handily beat them. I mean, it was didn't show at the end. It was only four points, but Arizona looked so lost, and that game was just awesome to watch. And then they continued and trounced Missouri, which was super fun. So I would have to say the Princeton-Arizona upset. Yeah, I think there's definitely a good argument for that. I mean, for me, I'm going to go – 
Purdue and losing because it was just awesome. Yeah, you know, everything, yeah, yeah. Everything I've preached just comes to life. And again, thoughts and prayers yep. for Pat and Mickey. I mean, we're still thinking about him to this day. Of course. But yeah, it was just awesome. And a close call actually between Alabama and losing as well because that was just a dominant performance by San Diego State. And it just obviously yeah. it's not as extreme because it's a five versus one. But just like mm-hmm. the one that it was and the five that it was made it feel like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. And then what was your what was your favorite game to watch in the tournament? I know I talked about mine was obviously the UCLA Gonzaga game. Yours is a bit of a homer Gonzaga, pick. UCLA. But what no, was your that favorite game? That game was super exciting to watch. There were two, probably the Michigan State-Kansas game. That was super exciting. But then the Arkansas-Kansas game, I mean, that game was just back and forth the entire time, down to the buzzer. I know Kansas didn't have Bill Self, but, I mean, there was so much foul trouble in both teams. Both teams had, I think, two guys foul out each, and it was just down to the nail. Obviously, Arkansas won um, and then got trounced by UConn. But, um if I had to choose between the two, I think the Kansas-Arkansas game just because of how it finished, it was such a good finish and really just like a competitive game the entire game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a back-and-forth game. I mean, I think the only sad part about that game was as great as Izzo is, he did not handle that loss great. He was... No, Izzo, called, Izzo, Izzo was not happy about that one. <laughs> he called him uh, called an unlucky win to put it in yeah simple terms yeah but yeah, yeah, yeah. there was some luck involved but it, like i said everyone needs a little luck in march. march what happens you can't yep. you, you can't complain about it but no i can throw these these last two questions before we get into our draft into one what was the biggest surprise of the tournament yep. for you and what team or player disappointed you the most Biggest surprise, I knew UConn was good. I didn't think they were this good. Um, I mean, they're just dominant. And, I mean, I thought that they would make a run. I had them in my Elite Eight. Um, But, I mean, they were just dominant the entire time. And that was really surprising because they didn't even – they weren't the top team in their own conference. And then they come out, beat teams from some of the best conferences very handily, which was awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, I think um, UConn was there when they were the last undefeated team in the number up to number mm-hmm. two at one point, and then they just kind of hit a rut at one point. But yep. at that point, I think a lot of people counted them out, and then they kind of became like the trendy pick because people were like, oh, yeah, these guys were mm-hmm. really good at one point. But I agree. Like, I did not think they were going to come out and dominate the way they did. Like, I thought they were agreed. I no. had them in my lead eight as well. I thought they would be Kansas or Arkansas, whoever came out of that game. Yep. But the fact that they've won every game by double digits, and not just double digits, 20-plus in three of the four, exactly. is kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And then biggest, like, disappointment, I mean, obviously you can touch on all the one seeds, none making the Elite Eight, Purdue losing the first round. Um, but – probably for me like it's probably like it may not even be a team it might just be the committee in general but Marquette I mean like they were good during the regular season but they weren't a two seed like 
they may have proved it, but watching I them do, play, they were nowhere near a two seed. I, how do you I think not, they were a disappointment. How I do just, you not give them a two seed? I think I they, mean, were, they won. They won. I think, they won the Big East. They won the Big East tournament. I feel like they just. Des- you can't say they didn't deserve their seed. They may not have deserved the seed. I just think they weren't that good. Like they were disappointing in the fact that they did not play like a two seed. Obviously, we usually have a two seed lose, and that was Arizona this year. But I mean, I, I just I don't know. I feel like them in general was just a disappointment because of how much hype that they gained from doing so well in the regular season, and then just coming out flat against Michigan State. I mean, all credit to Izzo on that having a great game plan, but they they were pretty disappointing in my book. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I mean, I think I think they deserved a two seed. I think they. Their resume and their eye test, I think it all looked like a number two seed. And obviously it was disappointing the way they went out because obviously you're a two seed, you want to win more than two games, one game, I mean. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think they were a young team that wasn't really – obviously they overachieved is the simple way to put it. I don't yeah. think you can say they were unworthy, but rather they overachieved in the regular season. But they're a team that they're going to return everyone next year. They'll probably be a preseason top five team. And mm-hmm. they'll be okay. I'm not too worried about them. Although it is disappointing. I don't think they were like, I don't think they had to prove anything. Like, I think it would have been great had they made a Final Four. But I don't think that was like expected. Especially considering uh, the stat that was floating around that unranked teams preseason never do well if they get a top two seed never make it yeah yeah so they they made they made it all true but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be back i have a feeling i think the most disappointing mm-hmm. team is i said it when we when we were talking about them i think houston's the most disappointing team just because this was a team that's they've been there before that a lot of the guys were on the final four team on the late eight team last year and yep. Everything, all the stars aligned for the perfect Final Four scenario, and they just kind of fell flat. And obviously, they had the Marcus Sasser injury that kind of became the storyline of the team. But mm-hmm. all they had to do was beat Miami, and I guess then they would have had to beat Texas. But and then Texas, yeah. And they had, they, a, hard they had a hard They had a very hard road. Yeah. But it just felt like it was their tournament, and they just didn't capitalize on that. And also, if I'm going to pick a player, yeah. Brandon Miller was really disappointing because I really like Brandon Miller's game. And I felt like he had a lot of pressure on him. Yep. But he was just like kind of that guy that you just like could picture him knocking down the big shot in a game. Just like he kind of had that mm-hmm. like like the March Madness it factor going for him during the season. And he just yeah. didn't show he just didn't show up. He was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I had to choose a player, I'd probably say um, it'd be Filipowski from Duke. I mean, throughout the he, year, he, he was their glue guy. Up. He was he was the guy, and then he goes into a Tennessee team who's a little undersized but way more physical. He just got destroyed. I mean, he couldn't hit a three. He was just beat up. And yeah, I mean, I mean, they just... if he played well, if he played well, they beat Tennessee, and then who knows what happens. But. He just didn't shoot well, and he was too small. It was, I mean, the it was a little disappointing to, for me the to watch him play. Create the story for that game. It was literally grown men beating up kids. 
that was what happened yeah, in that yeah. game. Yeah, it, it was embarrassing. But uh, we move into our little draft here, little team of the tournament right. draft. So the format is we're all we're gonna pick six players, uh, starting lineup. Doesn't have to be your traditional point guard, shooting guard, small mm-hmm. forward, but probably two or three guards and at least two bigs, whether that's a forward and a center or whatever. And then yep. a six man, and we'll pick a coach and a fan base as well. And I'll I'll yeah. give you the I'll give Sounds you the good. honor as our guest, is you can either pick the first oh, pick or, or the turn, whatever you prefer. Um, I'll take the first pick because I mean I know you're gonna be taking Timmy, but that's okay. I don't I don't really want him. Um, want I, him. I'm I'm gonna take no no no. I'm taking Adama Sinogo. I think he's actually the best big in the turn. I think he's actually the best big in the tournament. I mean, he may not have played super well against Gonzaga, like statistically, but it didn't matter. I mean, he's the glue to the most dominant team we've seen in the tournament. And I mean, he scored 28 in the first round, 24 in the second round, and he's a walking double double. I mean, yeah, he he's definitely my first pick. Yeah, I mean, he's been a stud, but I think you alluded to my pick. At least for yeah. the, the gotta pick Mr. Timmy. I mean, the guy's made for March. Yep. Obviously, they're still not dancing anymore, but he scores twenty points pretty much every game he's played in March Madness ever, and yep. no one, no one can guard him, whether you like him or not. No Can't one can guard, guard him. him, and you could say he travels, whatever. Complain all you want, <laughs> he gets the job done, even if it's not always pretty. It is pretty if you like good footwork. Yep. I'll give him his credit there. Oh, and then no, he he knows what to do in the post. Absolutely, I think with my other pick on the turn, I gotta go with a guard who mm-hmm. has been also very good in March, both this year and last year. ACC Player of the Year, Mister Isaiah Wong. Mister Wong. Okay, that's interesting. I think he, I don't even think he was the best player on his team this tournament. But, I mean, he's arguably, ACC Player of the Year, and he's pretty good. Arguably not. I think he may have gotten outshined mm-hmm. by a certain player. Mr. 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 Pack, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I think he's still the best player on the team, and I think he still played great. No, yeah. Um. All right, so I'll take my turn, and... um. Well, uh, I, I'm also going to take the point guard, and I'm pretty sure I sent him earlier. It's actually um, Darian Frammel out of San Diego State. Um, I mean, I really think he's the – like, I, I like glue guys, and I think he's the most sound point guard in the tournament. He does it all, and he, he can get buckets. I mean, it's simple as that. He's also in the Final Four. It's hard to not take someone in the Final Four, especially as the starting point guard on a team. I mean, I'm going to go Trammell for my point guard. And then, um, you know, the guy who kind of opposed Timmy. I mean, JJJ. I mean, uh, Jaime Hawkes, back-to-back, back-to-back, basically to back years of just dominant performances in March. No one really loses, expected. Until he loses to Drew yeah, Timmy. No, until he loses to Gonzaga. But, you know, I mean, he's pretty stud. He's He's been a stud. So yeah, there's not did, much more you could say about him. He did play well against Gonzaga. I'll give him credit. 
So with my next this round, this wasn't enough. With my first pick, I just want him on my team. He was the most fun player in the tournament. The Shark King himself. Noel. Marquis Noel. Yep. I know you're a fan yep. of Shark yep. Kings. So I figured I couldn't, let him, I couldn't let him get to you. So I had mm-hmm. to take him. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy performance. He sort of had the... At, at a certain point in the tournament, it felt like he was going to be like a Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier. Yep. Just one guard, just he was carry, that guy. carries the team all the way. And this was even crazier because he's mm-hmm. like 5'9". Like, he's a tiny. He's beyond short, yeah. But he was awesome. Threw some crazy passes. And then I think the comparison best was that he was more Carson Edwards than he was Kemba. Mm-hmm. But I like that. He was still awesome nonetheless. And he's got to be on the mm-hmm. squad. And with my next pick, the top pick here, I think I'm going to have to go with the second best player on probably the best team for my other spot on the wing. Got to go with Mr. Hawkins. Hawkins, uh, the, yeah. The UConn. That's a, that's a, he's got, a great pick right he's there. He's been their most dominant scorer. And obviously, I think Sonogo is yep. their best player. But you need a bucket, you go on him if you're UConn. And he's been great. Yeah. I mean, yep. pretty much everyone's been great on UConn. So mm-hmm. it's not hard to find him. But it's, he's the pick for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my shooting guard, I mean, it's going to be Mr. Pack. I mean, he's, he's although Isaiah Wong is probably the best player on Miami just in general, in this tournament, Pack has dominated every game. I mean, I think he's scoring over 20 a game. And when Wong was not hitting shots in the first two rounds and then against Texas, they gave the ball to Pack, and he kind of dominated. I mean, you need a guy who can step in when your best player is not really playing that well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm happy I, with that. I think the crazy part with Nigel Pack is people forgot he was on Kansas State last year. He was, yes. He, and he <laughs> transferred away, which was funny. Like so, two, of, mean, two of the last teams standing. Yeah, he was he was there. He kind of helped make it all together. Um and then my last player, small forward. Mm, you gotta you can get a six man. It's a, too. It's a little Oh, that's true. Um, it's a little. I mean, I'll I'll take the six man. I'll I'll take John L. Davis. I mean, oh, you I need someone to be able to. You, you you need someone to be able to lead a a nine seed to the final four, and this is your guy. He's probably scoring the most most rebounds on the team. Like he's a point guard, and he averages eight rebounds a game. So I mean, you love to see that. You love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I think. With my next two picks, I guess I'll give you the first choice of your coach and such because I want to round out my roster. At least one of them. Go for it. I know you need your other wing, so I'll take my six men. I need a bucket getter. I need a guy that's been phenomenal in this tournament. I need Jordan Miller out of Miami. Third Miami mm-hmm. player off the board. Mm-hmm. But that guy's just got a pure jumper like 
just yep. great to watch. Can get a bucket whenever you need it. Mm-hmm. And if we're just going on tournament performance, he was a a stud in that uh only day game. I believe he didn't miss a shot. Yep. Nah, he was a beast. I forget what the final line was. It was like nine for nine on field goals and like seven for seven from the free throw line. Like it was crazy. So he's yeah, no, this he, he was he closed out Texas, which was a little unfortunate for me. Uh, so watching that one go by. He'll be the spark plug off the bench for the squad. And I guess I'll hold off on my last player because you don't need another center. Unless you're going triple triple center sure. lineup here, which would be, you know. Mm. That that'll be an interesting one. That, so I think I'll go case. I think I'll go coach. And there's a lot of good coaches. Obviously, any of the good final four coaches are pretty good options. Mm. Mm-hmm. Could always go with my boy Mark Few, although he hasn't gotten it all the way done. Good. He gets it mostly no, done. But I mean he took a team against the Elite Eight. It's pretty Could solid. Could go coach. with Rodney Terry out of Texas. Could mm-hmm. even go with uh, Tobin Anderson. From... Not a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Now, now that I'm verbalizing it, he did say go that he said they wanted Purdue and they beat Purdue. He said they were going to beat Purdue. But he, he knew it. He knew it right away. I'm going to go with Dan Hurley because. Yeah, there was only one, there was one coach. That, that was the it. way he's dominated this tournament. There was, there was no and, one else, and just how he just brings that intensity. I mean, I was I watched as as sad as it was. I watched the Gonzaga game until it was over, and he was like snarling, like pissed when they were up twenty five points, and he was yep. checking his son, who's a walk on on the team, into the game. <laughs> and he yep. he'll bring the fire we need, and yeah, he's the guy. I'm not opposed to that. Um, my other winger is actually going to be from my champion. It's it's going to be Mr. Rice out of Texas. I mean, coming off the bench. I mean, best name, like you said, in the tournament. Coming off the bench, he really played like an absolute stud. I mean, scoring, I think it was over 15 points a game. And once Dsu went down, he was the other guy that needed to score, and he kind of did. Um, so... I think Rice rounds out the lineup pretty well. It's a little small of a lineup, but I mean Sonogo, I mean, he's he's just dominant. It doesn't really matter. And then coach, well, you took the best coach in the tournament. So it's a little tougher. Um but I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna have to go with uh Dusty May. FAU. I mean yeah. kind of the same reason I choose John L. I mean, getting a nine seed there, although they didn't have to play the one seed. It's still impressive what they've done, and he's done a great job coaching his team. He has depth. He has everyone scoring the ball, everyone moving the ball around. So, I mean, I think he's done a great job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's definitely proved he's one of the best coaches. Obviously, I don't know about you could say in all college basketball, but definitely one of the best up-and-coming coaches for sure. And I think it'll be interesting to see if he stays at FAU. I think he'll at least stay. Obviously. They're moving to the American, which is a good opportunity for him. And I think he'll mm-hmm. stay at least for this year. But obviously, if he has continued success, I mean, that, he's going to leave down the line. FAU is not an end game yeah. job. No. But I do think he will stay at least another year. I think a lot of the guys, mm-hmm. it, most of the guys are supposed to come back. So 
obviously we'll see how the end of the season pans out, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. He's definitely going to be a hot name on the market. That's for sure. But yes, I'll round I, I up, agree. I'll round up my team with my center. And my center is going to be Ryan Kalkbrenner from Creighton, the big seven footer yep. shot yep. blocker. Obviously. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Timmy doesn't really play defense, so we need someone to protect that rim. <laughs> and I almost took it's a good choice. I was really close to taking Anton Watson to reunite no. the Gonzaga oh, duo. And Anton no. Watson, I think he's uh, one of the most underrated. Pla- I think he's one of the most underrated players in college basketball. Ultimate glue guy, plays the hardest defense on the team, always crashes for boards, will dunk on your face, can make a good pass, can hit a jumper every once in a while. I'm not going to say he's a great jump, <laughs> jump shooter, but he he's capable. He'll shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he's super underrated, but he didn't have like. He didn't really have a crazy tournament. Never going on tournament performance. No. He can't be the exactly. Player, unfortunately. And to round no, on my no, team. It's, it's, it's got to be crap. I got to pick a fan base to come and support the crew. And honestly, I don't know if, I don't know if this is a good pick, but the way Arkansas fans got so fired up mm. to beat Kansas. Yeah, there you go. I need the I need the That's energy. not a bad one. I need the energy. And maybe Hurley will take his shirt off if this hypothetical <laughs> team wins the championship. Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's a solid one. I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah, watching that game against Kansas, their fans were absolutely berserk and yeah. it was fun to watch. I mean, obviously it was a shorter mm-hmm. run. They only were there for two games, but they showed out for when they yeah. were there. I'll give them credit. There you go. So for my fan base, it's a little tougher, but I really do think that this fan base, I mean, I think it's the biggest, and I think they would show up the most to a championship game, and it's going to be the Texas Longhorns. Um, I mean, they ra- – they, They're watching I mean, football. Ra- they're not – they don't care about football right now. They have one of the best teams in the country – they all stood by their coach and I mean, they basically helped Rodney Terry get a job. There were calls out on Texas Twitter saying like, Oh, you don't hire Rodney Terry. We riot. I mean, they got a great fan base in every single sport. And I think they would show up the most to this aside from Duke. I mean, Duke's fan base is crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, I you was can't going, choose Duke in this. I was going based on the tournament. I mean, obviously, you're just going historical yeah, exactly. fan base. You can't that, go wrong with Duke or yep. Kansas or Kentucky or any of the any of the blue bloods for exactly. that matter. But yeah, I think that was mm-hmm. I think it's pretty even between our teams. I mean, obviously, when you're picking the best players, it's hard to hard to gauge. I mean, I think it's hard to not. I think my team's more fun. That's for sure. I think we got the short I think your king. Team's more fun. Yeah. We got Mr. We got Drew Timmy to fire up the crowd. We got Hurley just yelling at people. If you're going on a pure entertainment factor, I think I definitely have you. If we're going on who would win in a I, basketball I th- game, I think, so. I think it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think your cards are definitely better. Uh, I mean, Noel, I mean, it's a beast bucket getter. Uh, it'd be, I would see Sonago, 
Sonogo and uh, Cockbrenner play. I mean, it'll be exciting. Two big physical guys. But yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think Danny Hurley would probably find a way to pull out that game. Yeah, I mean, Sonogo's got the edge. Sonogo mm-hmm. might be the only matchup you got on here. I mean, JJJ and Timmy, I mean... Timmy Olsen, although dude. Timmy won the game, although Timmy won the game, Timmy JJJ outplayed scored, him. I think it was like, thir- I think he scored 30 points. Timmy had like 40. Timmy was going to speak. I think Timmy had 40. I mean, 38 or something. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, Hawkins only scored 29. All right. Interesting. Timmy yeah. went, Timmy I, went I don't know. crazy. He owns him. Yeah. All right, and yeah, I guess the past two years, I guess it was Timmy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think it'd be an exciting game. Your team is more fun. I definitely think your team is more fun. I think my team's better defensively, though. You don't really have much defense out there. Yeah, I mean, Noel is not the best. Wong can't play defense. My team would Timmy suck doesn't know it. how to play defense. When you mentioned that, my team would not be. I mean, Hawkins, I mean, Hawkins and Kalkbrenner play defense. Yep, but that's about but, it. <laughs> Sonogo plays defense. Trammell plays defense. Rice plays defense. Hakez is meh. Yeah, Pack doesn't. But no, Miami, no Miami players play defense. So my team's okay. just my team's just gonna outscore you on offense. This team's unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, you got Noel. That's what it would be. It'd be it'd you got Noel and Wong the running the show. You got Hawkins just getting buckets. Jordan Miller can sub in and get a bucket and. When mm-hmm. all else fails, just give the ball to Timmy in the paint and let him work. Kalkbrenner's not mm-hmm. really playing offense. He's just there for to block people. He, he's and there to fill space. And dunk it occasionally. But, yeah. Yep. It's tough to say it would go other way. But before we close out, let's talk Final Four. I think, mm-hmm. obviously, UConn's been the most dominant team. Would you say it's UConn versus the field at this point? I mean, if you were asking Vegas, they said it was UConn versus the field since the Elite Eight. And, I mean, I'm all for it. Once Texas went out, I mean, although the Miami team looked legit against Texas, I don't think they're stopping Sonogo on offense. They're not scoring on him on defense. And I really think Danny Hurley is the best coach. Not in the country, but this year, I think he's probably the best coach right now. And, I mean, the other side... Like CBS has CBS is just they're crying right now. I mean, they're gonna have the lowest numbers ever for a final four. Who's gonna watch FAU versus San Diego State, aside from people like us who will just watch it because it's the final four? I mean, I hope it's unfortunate. It. These teams deserve the audience. I, I would I would take UConn versus the field. I mean, I I do think San Diego State will beat FAU. So I think it's gonna be a San Diego State UConn final. And I think UConn can honestly win both games by 20. Like they've looked so dominant and they're just so well coached and so deep. It's, it's going to be hard to stop. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think UConn's going to win. It's kind of the boring pick, but they've looked so good. But I think the one, the one wrinkle for UConn is they've won all these games so handily that mm-hmm. Miami might have an advantage if it's a close game because Miami's used to yeah Miami's played in every different type of game in this tournament whether that's having to come back 
having just dominating your opponent. Um, mm-hmm. just tight games where they've had the lead. I mean, they've played in all sorts of games, and I think that is helpful in a way. Obviously, it's not mm-hmm. as impressive to the general, the common mm-hmm. eye is just blowing teams out every game, obviously. But I think if it's a close game, that's something to. I think a close game is the advantage of Miami, and they've proven they can hit a big shot time yeah. and time again. So I don't know. Miami can they hit their Miami, free throws. If Miami can stay hot, I think they have a shot. I just think it. I think the way I see it is, I think if UConn, if UConn beats Miami, they're winning the championship. They're not losing yep. to FAU or San Diego State. Yep. But I think the Miami game will be interesting, and I do think UConn will ultimately end up winning. But mm-hmm. I would not. I would not count out Miami at all. Yeah, it's just the other side is just like it's kind of irrelevant. Like I think if I, Miami, think, I, I think if Miami wins, if Miami they wins, have a chance. Either team has a chance. I just really don't think Miami's going to win, unless, like you said, if it gets to a free throw battle, like the end of the game, it's close. Miami's going to win it. They make all their free throws. They're really consistent. But then I I don't know. Even look at the other side, like. I would have no idea who to pick in this game because FAU can score the ball at will, it seems, in most of their games. And then San Diego State is probably the most defensively sound team I've seen. So it, that'll be a tough game for either team um, to score, I think. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, even though FAU normally scores a lot. But yeah. I don't think either team competes with UConn if UConn wins. That's kind of my feeling. I think it's just going to be an ugly game. Mm-hmm. Probably like 50s scoring wise, which definitely yeah. is advantage San Diego State. And I think ultimately they end up advancing. I think they're the marks. Their experience, I mean, they haven't made a deep run like this. Obviously, it's their first Final Four, but they have some marks mm-hmm. experience and they've played in more big games. And although FAU, I'm not, I'm not saying they're a Cinderella, but I do think they won't be as prepared for the moment as San Diego State is. And I think San Diego yeah. State, if they can dictate the pace of play, should be in good shape against them. However, it does yeah. go the opposite. If FAU can speed them up and play their offense, mm-hmm. then I could definitely see FAU winning. But again, yeah, I, I, w- mean, I wouldn't bet it. <laughs> I don't know who's going to win. If I was betting, I, I would worst, bet on UConn to win it all. Yeah. I don't I know think what the, the worst, that is. I, I think the worst game is going to be FAU-Miami, if that ever comes to it. Because that's just going to be an ugly, it's run it be, up, score, it's, high it's scoring. It's going to be 190. Three, like, it's going to be awful. Like, be it's going to be fun to watch. It would be fun to be in South Florida for that, though. Yeah, but, I mean, I, it's just going to be such bad basketball. I mean, if you want a good basketball game, it's going to be UConn-San Diego State. But, I mean, I, I think we both, and I think most people will say, I think it's going to be UConn. I don't think there's much competition if they get past Miami. It's just so hard to pick against them the way they dominated everyone. And mm-hmm. they just looked like, I mean, not to discredit the other three teams who have also looked phenomenal and clearly deserve to be here. UConn, mm-hmm. just like when you're winning in that dominant fashion, it's just, it's certainly convincing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, again, they have the best coach remaining and probably the best coach of the tournament. So, yeah, I mean, they're I the mean, best they're coach going up against Laranaga. And, and probably the two best players in Hawkins yeah, and Sonogo. Sure. But mm-hmm. 
it should be interesting. I hope just hoping with no March Madness brackets left in Gonzaga out and Vandy out of the NIT who didn't even make the tournament. I have nothing no else way. to root for. So I'm just rooting for good mm-hmm. basketball and I hope it's in fun games to watch. So yep. I think that's I agree. I appreciate you coming on, taking the time to Thank break you down the tournament me. with me. Of course. Thank you. And yeah, that's all we got for today. Thank you guys for listening that all that stuck through the, this. <laughs>